This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and illusion is usually king. Streaming live on iHeartRadio, available on demand on all your favorite podcast directories, and you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. You can shoot me an email. The address is right now, Jim Dawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, the violent rioters in Kenosha, Wisconsin, got a lesson in basic self-defense last night. They don't want to accept it. They don't want to understand it. But when you attack a man who is legitimately armed, attempting to protect local businesses from being burned and looted, and you do so in a manner that can put him reasonably in safety for death or seriously bodily, serious bodily harm to himself or others, you are liable to get shot. And of course, I'm talking about Kenosha, Wisconsin overnight when a, a man named Kyle, who identifies himself on one of the videos as Kyle was out uh, with other uh, local residents defending local businesses from the continued arson and looting that has been going on for three straight nights now. At some point, he uh, he became separated from his group, and uh, these these idiots in the streets started attacking him. He's armed with a long gun, a semi-automatic and uh, at one point, this guy starts chasing him and throwing a Molotov cocktail and bricks at him. Uh, Kyle attempted to retreat, but when he could not retreat any, mer- uh, any further, he uh, turned and shot the man in the head, killing him. He then uh, uh, again attempted to leave the area. He was running down the street when these, uh, these leftists started chasing him and attacking him. Uh, one of them uh, knocked him to the ground, and when he fell to the ground, another one came and tried to uh, uh, jump on top of him. Kyle turned and uh, defended himself with his weapon, shot the one guy. Then this uh, this other idiot runs up, armed with a skateboard. <laughs> How stupid do you have to be to attack somebody who is armed with a rifle when you're armed with a skateboard, but he runs up and tries to hit the guy, uh, Kyle on the ground, at which point he gets uh, shot for his trouble as well. Then this other one runs up. The third one appears to be armed with a handgun, not appears. He was armed with a handgun. It's well documented. 
and uh, he got shot in the arm that was holding the handgun, taking a big part of, uh, of his bicep off. There were two fatalities in this incident. Kyle uh, attempted to turn himself in to the riot police. The riot police were reestablishing a, uh, a skirmish line, and so they didn't recognize that he was attempting to um, re- surrender himself. But it's just amazing if you look at the Antifa Twitter feeds, how deluded and uh, misinformed these people are with the proper use of deadly force. Kyle was attempting in every case to uh, retreat. Not that he had to, but he was. And when he was left no further um, avenue for retreat while these idiots were attacking him, he actually exercised great restraint and only fired on the imminent threats to his safety. Uh, they um, let me let me go and review this thread. It's really something to see. They um, they can't accept the fact that armed citizens would defend themselves. Oh, they love to call him a racist. He's a racist, so we had the atta- the right to attack him. Only a coward would use a gun to kill someone for being punched. Well, if you're armed and somebody comes up and punches you and they're in a big crowd of people, uh, your only reasonable option is to assume that they uh, mean to uh, cause you seriously bodily harm or to kill you. They say that he was protecting property that he didn't own. He was protecting his city. They like to laugh saying that he's going to go to jail. I think they're going to have a very difficult time finding a Kenosha County jury to con- uh, to convict this guy. One says, if he didn't want to be chased, maybe he shouldn't be have been there in the first place. Oh, yeah, people are required to cower in their homes. This guy likes to say, we're going to, we're going to burn uh, lots of laugh. He's going to get burned alive in his home. That one got a bunch of uh, likes. So that sort of illustrates the uh, the violent nature of these people. He uh, he was threatening the protesters with guns. Well, no, he was he had a gun there because uh, the the protesters have shown their intention on violence and destruction these last several nights, and he was perfectly within his rights to be armed. And it's a good thing he was, or he may be dead today. Better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. The uh, governor of Wisconsin, who uh, who was offered a federal assistance, refused it. The local law enforcement actually went over the governor's head and went to the federal uh, Department of Homeland Security themselves, saying that they needed at least 750 riot police in order to to deal with the ongoing riots that were destroying, utterly destroying the town of Kenosha. The governor refused that, did declare a state of emergency, but then only sent 250 troops. You know, you've got a huge contingent in these National Guard troops. Why not call out more than is necessary? Why, when the local authorities are saying it's going to take 750, would you only send 250 if you weren't? 
intent on uh, continuing to to allow this uh, lawlessness to go on. And lawlessness is what we had again last night. And that resulted in these two people dead and that one person seriously injured, probably going to lose the function of that arm at least. But the, all of this is can be put right on, right at the doorstep of the governor of Wisconsin. This stopped being about protests long ago. This is uh, the media complicity continuing to call these protests. These are not protests. These are riots. They're deadly riots. And what the Democrats are doing is basically just holding America in a hostage situation. And they're convention they said repeatedly that uh, don't think this won't get any worse antifa likes to attack people violently they call it preemptive self-defense because we've identified this guy as a nazi and a hater so we're allowed to assault him to kill him and citizens are starting to wake up and fight back So let's stop and think what's really being said when the Democrats blame Trump for these riots. These looters and arsonists, thugs and murderers are not responsible for their actions because Donald Trump is a meanie. We know he's a racist because the unhinged media has continually told us he is a racist. I think of one of their favorite terms without evidence. While we, um, while many rightly condemned Biden for his silence on this violence, it's not entirely to say that he's ignoring the violence. And during last week's acceptance speech, he called Trump the provocateur and blamed the darkness in our country on him. Never mind the fact that it's the Democrats that are out in the streets looting and burning. Biden said the current president has cloaked America in darkness for much too long. Too much anger, too much fear, too much division. Well, whose anger? Who's caused the fear? Who caused the division? They're telling us that Trump did this. Biden went on to say, united we can and will overcome the season of darkness in America but only if you vote for me. Now, these deaths in, in Kenosha last night were perfectly predictable. At some point, people were going to start defending themselves. But again, I have to say, the, the stupidity, the ignorance, the utter ignorance of these people that attack somebody that is armed with rocks and skateboards and in one case, a Molotov cocktail is, is profoundly towering ignorance. That man, if he is uh, reasonably in fear for his life and most certainly haven't seen what we have in Kenosha and Portland and Seattle and Oakland, he is most definitely reasonably in fear. And two people, uh, learned, uh, got a, uh, a, a lesson and how foolish their behavior was. Biden himself continues to be hunkered down in his basement, but he did trot out his senior advisor, Simone Sanders, 
a dyed-in-the-wool racist, if ever there was one, to to offer a ever-so-mild rebuke of the violence that's going on in the streets. She said, protesting such brutality is right and necessary. It's an utterly American response. But burning down communities and needless destruction is not. Well, that is true. If you want to protest, you can do it peacefully. You can get a, uh, a permit for the protest. You can allow the local authorities to make sure that that protest remains peaceful. But if you're out there literally burning cities to the ground, that's long since past peaceful. And the fact that the Democrats nominee for president can't even make a statement on this himself really tells you exactly where the Democrat Party is. We're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at last night's Republican National Convention. Stick with us. We'll be right back. I've been working at Santa's workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Internet required for mobile. So, uh, once again, the Democrats uh, hit it out of the park last night. I worried that uh, maybe uh, there would be a fall-off in the production and content of this Republican convention There was none of that. It was a continuing tour de force. And in terms of setting and format, it was magnificent. They had had most of the speakers at the Andrew Carnegie Auditorium and uh, at the White House. The First Lady spoke from the newly renovated Rose Garden. The theme for the night was opportunity, which is what Americans want. There's a large subculture in this country that the Democrats are trying to cultivate they don't want opportunity. They want entitlement. They want, um, they want handouts. And many of the speakers spoke quite powerfully on uh, how America was the land of opportunity and how Donald Trump had restored that opportunity by paring back these, uh, these disastrous regulations that were designed to destroy businesses, to bring jobs back, and to reduce taxes. We didn't hear from any victims. You know, the, the Democrats love to trot out their victims, but we didn't hear from any victims at the Republican convention. We've heard from real Americans, not celebrities, not uh, discredited politicians. And these Americans told the audience in no uncertain terms that given the opportunity, they'd be glad to take care of themselves and their families and their communities. They had a Navajo leader up there, a dairy farmer, a lobsterman, a police officer, a reformed felon who has turned his life around and was issued a pardon by the president for all the great work that he has done. We heard from Rand Paul, which is uh, fantastic. He was talking about the free cataract surgeries that he performs every year, hundreds of them. And we heard, heard from a former Planned Parenthood worker that uh, destri- described in um, graphic details exactly what goes on in those clinics. And we were reminded that this president has, has thrown off the constraints of former 
Republican presidents and wholeheartedly endorse the right to life movement. This first clip I've got here is of John Ponder. He was the uh, felon who who was arrested uh, on his third felony, would have been subject to the three strikes in your out rule that Joe Biden put into effect. But the judge had uh, leniency on him. And when he when he got out, he was uh, he, he made a friendship with the FBI agent that arrested him for his third felony. America. Excuse me. His third felony, which was a bank robbery. And then he established a program to return felons coming out of jail to uh, to gain a second chance and uh, reform their lives and become contributing members of society. Here's John Ponder. Back into our society. My hope for America is that formerly incarcerated people will be afforded the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that we live in a nation of second chances. My hope for America is that law enforcement and people in the communities across our country can come together and realize that as Americans, we have more in common than we have differences. My hope for our great nation is to continue on this path we are on of being the most prosperous country in the world. I'm so proud of John with his life's turnaround. This is the, uh, the officer that arrested him. For all the lives that he's helped to change. It may be hard to believe that as a retired FBI agent, one of my best friends is a person I arrested for bank robbery. When I met John 15 years ago, he was angry, scared, frustrated, and anxious about his future. On the drive to prison, I stopped at a convenience store and bought John a coffee and a donut. They went on to become solid friends and working together to return um, people coming out of jail uh, to productive uh, contributors. But the president sat down and in the presence of John Ponder and his wife signed uh, a full and complete pardon based on, not on uh, the acts that he committed prior, they were most certainly felonies, but based on the way that he had turned his life around and contributed so greatly to uh, to criminal justice. Uh, I don't want to use the word reform. Redemption, I guess, would be the proper word. They also had a, a police officer from New Mexico on last night. His name was Ryan Hollett, who uh, told the story of how he observed a couple um, preparing to uh, shoot up heroin. And when he approached them, he sadly learned that, uh, the, the woman was, was very pregnant. This officer and his wife went on to adopt that baby that was born of this heroin addict and struggled to reform, uh, the murder, the, uh, the, the mother. Here's what Ryan Holt sounded like. I hold a special place in my heart for those facing opioid addiction, and that's why I'm enormously grateful to the president for his leadership in fighting this deadly enemy. Through his efforts, we're turning the tide on the crisis of addiction. President Trump declared the opioid crisis to be a public health emergency and then secured $6 billion in new federal funding to help Americans fight opioid abuse. He invested an additional $100 million to stop the opioid crisis in rural America. And in a move that strikes at the root of the problem, he implemented a safer prescribing plan aimed at reducing opioid prescriptions by over a third within three years. 
This is an effort that stops addiction before it ever gains a hold in someone's life. And it's having an impact. Drug overdose deaths decreased in 2018 for the first time in 30 years. This president did recognize what a disaster the opioid addiction epidemic was to America. And he did take action. I would argue that uh, even more action is necessary because this uh, this opioid addiction, largely fueled by Chinese smuggled fentanyl, is uh, ravaging America, especially in the uh, the rural areas. But he hasn't sat back and just ignored it and allowed it to go on while uh, these big pharma companies made billions of dollars off of it. Here's that clip I told you about of um, Rand Paul talking about how Donald Trump, when he was a private citizen, funded his efforts to deliver these uh, these cataract surgeries that he performs every year. I was planning a medical mission trip to Guatemala to perform charity eye surgeries, and we needed money to fund the trip. Donald Trump offered to help and immediately came through for us. Not only did he support my medical mission to Guatemala, but he also contributed to another mission trip to Haiti a year later. We performed hundreds of cataract surgeries in both countries. Nothing is more amazing than removing the bandages from a person's eyes and watching them as they see their loved ones again. Donald Trump helped me make that happen. A few years later, we were opponents, both running for president. We all know how that turned out. <laughs> Donald Trump was uh, pretty pretty rough and tumble with Rand Paul during that uh, that convention. He, he was, of course, doing what he does. He hits back when attacked. But it's, uh, it's a great testament to Rand Paul's character that he could let those bygones be bygones and work with this president. But I'm proud of the job Donald Trump has done as president. I don't always agree with him, but our occasional policy differences are far outweighed by our significant agreements. But more important than simple agreement is accomplishment. President Trump gets things done. When some in Congress wanted a so-called revenue-neutral tax plan, Donald Trump and I worked together to make sure that it was a true tax cut. And as a result of that tax cut, the the people that wanted the so-called revenue-neutral were again proven wrong because revenues to the federal government went up, not down, while working men and women and employers throughout this country were able to keep more of the money they earned. I brought President Trump an idea for better, less expensive health insurance called Association Health Plans. Donald Trump overturned years of red tape and bureaucrats, and he made it happen. While others talked about criminal justice reform, President Trump actually signed the First Step Act, the first real reform in a generation, and one that sought to undo the harm that others, like Joe Biden, have done. For those of us who lament the Biden crime bill that locked up a generation of young black men, remember that Biden bragged about a bill that still wreaks havoc among people of color. Well, I'm, I'm of two minds on that, uh, that criminal justice reform. It has let a lot, a lot of people out of jail that, uh, that went on to commit more crimes. But people do deserve a second chance at some point. 
Just going to have to uh, make sure that the ones that are getting out of jail are quickly put back in there if they offend again. We're going to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to take a, um, a look at more of the Republican National Convention last night. And we'll look at the Democrats and the unhinged media's response to it. Hillary is saying that uh, Joe Biden should never accept the results of this election if he loses. Right after these messages, I'm right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5.0 radio network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. You know, I really think the Democrats, by not condemning these riots in Wisconsin and formerly in Michigan and Minnesota, have effectively delivered the upper Midwest to the Republican Party for at least a generation. You know, they keep talking about uh, what will suburban women think of all of this? Well, Kenosha is a suburb. Kenosha is a suburb of uh, Milwaukee and of, uh, of Chicago. And uh, we have seen exactly what happens when the Democrats' stormtroopers arrive in these places. And I think uh, the Democrats also miscalculated badly when they put their convention on prior to the Republican convention. Do you think the Democrats would have put on the same convention if they had seen the Republican convention first? Do you think that they would have brought all of their Hollywood celebrities up there to, uh, to insult the country? Do you think they would have put their radical leftists on there, their mermaid king queen who wanted to abolish the police or their uh, community activists that says we need to destroy capitalism in America? Do you think they would have allowed Joe Biden to speak without condemning the violence that his Democrat Party has turned a blind eye to and validated? I don't think so. I think if they had seen the Republican convention bringing everyday Americans, business owners, first responders, uh, a new generation of elected officials that are trying to to uh, overturn the established order in Washington, D.C., <laughs> I don't think I think they would have had to really start on a fresh sheet of paper. One thing, they would have had to hire somebody who knew how to put on one of these events instead of just relying on their incompetent 
and amateurish um, uh, Zoom meetings. But as I said, uh, once again, on the second night of the Republican convention, they hit a, a home run. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm torn whether or not to, to play the opening sequence. So this one was, again, narrated by the great John Voigt that just uh, takes such pride and optimism and forward-looking belief in our country and puts it all in the, uh, the, the upcoming evening events all in perspective. I'm going to play you a clip here. This is uh, a, a mayor of a small town in many in Minnesota talking about um, the president's policies restoring jobs to America. Clip is stuck. Come on, clip. Here we go. My father earned their livings mining the raw materials that made the steel that built America. This election is a make or break for workers who are carrying on the legacy of men like them. Since the Iron Range economy is vulnerable to economic trends and to foreign trade, we have always needed a strong voice in Washington. We looked to Democrats to fill that void for many years because we actually thought they cared about our welfare. Not anymore. The radical environmental movement has dragged the Democratic Party so far to the left they can no longer claim to be advocates of the working man. This is hard for me to say because I am a lifelong Democrat. I but should for- stop and, and say this. This guy is the mayor of Eveleth, Minnesota. He is a Democrat, a, a Democrat mayor of Eveleth, Minnesota. I'm going to try to pronounce his name for you. It's Robert Vils. I'm sure I murdered that, but he's talking about how the Democrats have abandoned working people for the radical environmentalists that really want to shut down any sort of uh, development of our natural resources in this country. If you said you wanted to dig a post hole, they would, they would oppose that if, if, uh, if that was the, the last thing um, sort of development that you were trying to engage in. Back to the mayor. For far too long, members of both parties allowed our country to be ripped off by our trading partners, especially China, who dumped steel into our markets and slapped tariffs on our products. And what did so-called leaders like Joe Biden do? Nothing. The human cost... Has oh, he didn't do nothing. That's not fair. He went over to China, celebrated their rise, the communist dictatorship's rise as an economic superpower, took a billion and a half dollars for his corrupted, no-account, ne'er-do-well son, and came back and told us all, China's no competition for us, while literally hundreds of thousands of jobs across this country were lost. Cost has been devastating. We lost thousands of jobs. We lost a generation of young people who had to leave the Iron Range to find a livelihood. And worst of all, we lost hope. Then something unexpected happened. A straight-talking New Yorker burst onto the scene, promising to stand up to China and the rest of the world on behalf of the American worker. Four years later, the Iron Range is roaring back to life, and we have one man to thank, President Donald Trump. He made good on his promises by cutting our taxes, rolling back senseless regulations, and delivering trade deals that put America's interests first. But the fight is not over. 
Joe Biden has allowed radicals like AOC to craft his environmental policies. Their so-called Green New Deal is a job-killing disgrace dreamt up by people who don't live in the real world. They don't live in the real world at all. They live inside their uh, their leftist bubble where they, they rage against capitalism. They rage against productivity. They rage against any effort to allow people to be self-sufficient and to create opportunity rather than entitlement. I've got this clip here. This is from a former Planned Parenthood worker, and uh, it's kind of rough to listen to uh, when she describes what goes on inside those uh, Planned Parenthood clinics. But she talks about her odyssey of having gone to work for Planned Parenthood and how the veil was lifted from her eyes. My name is Abby Johnson, and I spent eight years working for Planned Parenthood, but today I'm a pro-life activist. When I was in college, Planned Parenthood approached me at a volunteer fair. They talked about helping women in crisis and their commitment to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. I was convinced to volunteer and later offered a full-time job as a medical assistant before my promotion to director of the clinic. I truly believed I was helping women, but things drastically changed in 2009. In April, I was awarded Planned Parenthood's Employee of the Year Award and invited to their annual gala where they present the Margaret Sanger Award, named for their founder. And Margaret Sanger was a racist who believed in eugenics. Her goal when founding Planned Parenthood was to eradicate the minority population. Today, almost 80% of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are strategically located in minority neighborhoods. And every year, Planned Parenthood celebrates its racist roots by presenting the Margaret Sanger Award. Later in August, my supervisor assigned me a new quota to meet, an abortion quota. I was expected to sell double the abortions performed the previous year. When I pushed back, underscoring Planned Parenthood's public-facing goal of decreasing abortions, I was reprimanded and told, abortion is how we make our money. This is the point where she gets on to the actual activity, and I'm not going to play it. Uh, you should listen to it. Uh, it's, it's rough to listen to. You know, I'm, a, I'm pro-choice myself. I believe you should make a decision prior to engaging in unprotected sex whether or not you want a child. And if you don't want a child to re- result from that union, then you should either, one, use a contraceptive, or two, not engage in that activity at all. We have seen now these sonograms that show that a child is actually in the middle of these abortions actually tries to fight for its life, and it's just uh, beyond uh, br- uh, brutality to allow this to continue to go on. Nick Sandman, <laughs> the great Nick Sandman, who, along with Lynn Wood, took these uh, these media lunatics to court to make them pay for their defamation of him. You know, I don't know if I had any effect on this, but shortly after Nick Sandman was smeared on social media and on cable uh, channels, I reached out to Lynn Wood. He is a uh, uh, an attorney in Atlanta that uh, specializes in defamation cases. I had worked for him 
previously done some private investigative work for him. And I asked him whether or not he was going to step up and, uh, and, and on behalf of his profession, defend this young high school student from Kentucky. And he said that he was indeed going to do that. It was shortly after that, that he announced that he was representing Nick Salmon in his case against CNN, ABC, NBC, and a lot of these lunatic celebrities. I don't know if he had planned that before, but, um, but I was proud to, uh, to weigh in and I was proud of Lynn Wood. I've always been amazed at, uh, at his work, but Nick Salmon took to the Republican convention last night and CNN was forced to cover it as he called out, um, their utter and complete irresponsibility on their coverage of him. Being from Kentucky, the birthplace of Abraham Lincoln, my classmates and I visited the Lincoln Memorial. I found myself face-to-face with Nathan Phillips and other professional protesters looking to turn me into the latest poster child showing why Trump is bad. While the media portrayed me as an aggressor with a relentless smirk on my face, in reality, the video confirms I was standing with my hands behind my back and an awkward smile on my face that hid two thoughts. One, don't do anything that might further agitate the man banging a drum in my face. And two, I was trying to follow a family friend's advice, never to do anything to embarrass your family, your school, or your community. Before I knew what was happening, it was over. One of Mr. Phillips' fellow agitators yelled out, we got him. It's all right here on video. And we won, Grandpa. What I thought was a strange encounter quickly developed into a major news story complete with video footage. My life changed forever in that one moment. The full war machine of the mainstream media revved up into attack mode. They did so without researching the full video of the incident, without ever investigating Mr. Phillips' motives, or without ever asking me for my side of the story. And do you know why? Because the truth was not important. Advancing their anti-Christian, anti-conservative, anti-Donald Trump narrative was all that mattered. And if advancing their narrative ruined the reputation and future of a teenager from Covington, Kentucky, well, so be it. That would teach him not to wear a mega hat. I learned what was happening to me had a name. It was called being canceled. As in annulled, as in revoked, as in made void. Canceled is what's happening to people around this country who refuse to be silenced by the far left. Many are being fired, humiliated, or even threatened. And often, the media is a willing participant. Not often, almost all the time, the media is a willing participant. They're the ones that are driving this. (sighs) That young man, I guess he's probably 18 now, maybe 19 standing up there, uh, pushing back on these, these corporate media behemoths and calling out their, uh, their disgusting behavior in this episode was glorious at the very end of it. He actually, uh, reached up and put on a MAGA hat, which, uh, sent the talking heads over there at CNN, uh, into hysterics. He had, uh, uh, the former uh, 
spokesperson for Barack Obama, who is now a CNN talking head, Lockhart, Joe Lockhart, revived this, uh, this notion that his smirk is deserving of, of their uh, scorn and hatred. They had, uh, well, let's see, we need to run out to a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, finish up this and get on to other topics. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. So the uh, the Republicans brought forward a fellow named uh, Daniel Cannon to the microphone. He is the Republican Attorney General of the state of Kentucky, where Nick Salmon is from, and uh, he he again pushed back on this notion that the Democrats own the votes of Black Americans. I also think about Joe Biden, who says. If you aren't voting for me, you ain't black. Who argued that Republicans would put us back in chains? Who says there is no diversity of thought in the black community? Mr. Vice President, look at me. I am black. We are not all the same, sir. I am not in chains. My mind is my own. And you can't tell me how to vote because of the color of my skin. The uh, the Democrats are starting to freak out because they're recognizing that Donald Trump, through his actual actions, instead of through these platitudes that the Democrats offer black people, is making uh, inroads with black voters. Not the not the Black Lives Matter lunatics, but the actual broad cross section of good uh, American blacks who are, by their very nature, conservative. And then, of course, Melania Trump came to the microphone last night. <clears throat> I um, I listened to it. I didn't watch it. Uh, I listened to it, and her voice and her accent were absolutely mesmerizing. She obviously speaks English with a, a heavy accent, but she does so in such a uh, an elegant and feminine way that uh, it it's. It's just <laughs> now I'm going to sound like a <clears throat> a, 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 a sycophant, but it it is uh, it is enchanting. And uh, she uh, she talked first to American mothers. I have a special message for the mothers of this country. This modern world is moving so fast, and our children face challenges that seem to change every few months. Just like me, I know many of you watch how mean and manipulative social media can be. And just like me, I'm sure many of you are looking for answers how to talk to your children about the downside of technology and their relationships with their peers. Like every parent in this country, I feel there are so many lessons to teach our son and responsibilities as his mother, but there are just not enough hours in the day to do it all. 
I remind myself that I'm more fortunate than most and still have days that I look for wisdom and strength to do the very best I can for him. To mothers and parents everywhere, you are warriors. Well, uh, that is a, a huge issue. Uh, social media is totally warping the worldview of this entire generation. When they've got a, a public platform that they can go and play out their uh, their angst and their persecution complexes, and uh, and you know, especially if you're in a high profile position like Kellyanne Conway, it can actually rip your family apart. And uh, Melania, of course, talked about, you know, the the meanness on social media, which set the the talking heads off uh, talking about, you know, how Donald Trump is mean on social media. He is. That's that's a fact. But if you'll notice Donald Trump's tweets, he never hits down. He never talks about the little people. He never vilifies ordinary Americans. He's always uh, counterattacking, punching back uh, from these uh, these attacks on him and his administration from the the Democrats and the media. Here is Melania talking about American families. That in all of these challenging situations is the unwavering resolve to help one another. I recognize the stories I just told about people who survive extraordinary circumstances. But Donald and I are also inspired by the millions of Americans who wake up each day with a simple yet courageous goal of providing for their families and keeping them safe. You are the backbone of this country. You are the people who continue to make the United States of America what it is and who have the incredible responsibility of preparing our future generations to leave everything even better than they found it. She did an absolutely amazing job. Uh, Of course, the the glitterati, Bette Midler and Sarah Silverman and and, uh, I can't remember the name of that guy with the, the big old herpes sore on his mouth. Uh, they criticized her for speaking in an accent and, and, uh, you know, all sorts of other things, including her appearance said she was severe looking. She was absolutely gorgeous. And the people that uh, criticized her for speaking in an accent displayed their own, uh, bigotry woman speaks five different languages. And yeah, she speaks in an accent. It's a beautiful accent. It's nice to listen to. So the uh, the Nielsen ratings are in for uh, the first night of the convention, and the media is spinning it that the 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 uh, the first night's um, ratings were down almost thirty percent from two thousand sixteen. What they they failed to tell you is that they weren't including the, uh, the huge numbers that were on C-SPAN. C-SPAN's audience went up six-fold, 600% from the first night of, uh, of the, uh, the convention in 2016. And that's because it's a direct result of people not wanting to listen to these talking heads putting their spin and trying to stomp all over the messages coming out 
That's in contrast to what happened happened with the Democrats. The Democrats' uh, a Zoom convention uh, had very small audience on C-SPAN. Of course, that's because the mainstream media was telling these leftists exactly what they wanted to hear and and feeding their uh, their their uh, bias confirmation. But of course, the Republicans uh, quickly abandoned the coverage, including the coverage on Fox News, because it was uh, it was so. St- slanted and dishonest and they uh they went directly over to c-span and got the um the coverage directly 22.5 million people went over to uh c-span to watch this no i'm sorry that's an exaggeration that was the total number of people that watched the convention on uh, on last night, four hundred and forty thousand people watched on C-SPAN, and you compare that with the number of Democrats that watched the coverage on C-SPAN, it was only seventy six thousand. So yeah, there's a real hunger for a uh, an unfiltered coverage of this. The um, invocation last night, uh, I thought left a little bit to be desired because the uh, the pastor who was a uh, a woman from uh, a Las Vegas church never mentioned the uh, the hardships that are going on in in Kenosha, and most certainly, uh, we ought to all be praying for the the law abiding citizens and business owners in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I said online that the rioters can go to hell. I guess that's not an entirely Christian worldview, but it's how I feel. There was a, a clip from the first night's convention that I failed to cover yesterday, but I want to I want to uh, play it now. This is from Andrew Pollock. He was the father of Meadow Pollock, who was killed at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and wrote a book, Why Meadow Died, trying to expose the promise program that the Obama administration had put in place that allowed Nicholas Cruz to still be in that school, despite many violent episodes that would have, uh, should have uh, sent him home or sent him to juvenile hall. He has been a, a, a guest on this show, and I want to play this clip here. Far left Democrats in our school district made this shooting possible because they implemented something they called restorative justice. This policy, which really just blames teachers for students' failures, puts kids and teachers at risk and makes shootings more likely. But it was billed as a pioneering approach to discipline and safety. I was just fine with the old approach to discipline and safety. It was called discipline and safety. But the Obama-Biden administration took Parkland's bad policies and forced them into schools across America. When President Trump rescinded Obama's guidance on restorative justice policies, he put an end to that. And that meant the world to me. It's hard to tell how much Mr. Biden understands about what happened at Parkland. Mr. Biden has campaigned on bringing back restorative justice as part of his his unity platform with Bernie Sanders and has pledged to implement in school districts across America. The promise program that was brought to Broward County, Florida, by the uh, former uh, superintendent of schools in Chicago that was part of the Obama inner circle. He later went on to be the 
the Secretary of Education in Obama's administration, uh, repeatedly turned a blind eye to Dominic Cruz's uh, uh, threats and actual acts of violence against fe- uh, fellow students at uh, Parkland High School. And it was a direct result of these insane policies, not removing violent threats because you might damage their future, um, you know, potential that, that led to Meadow Pollock's murder. And I was proud that, um, Andrew Pollock has, has taken the responsibility to sound the alarm on these, these idiot, these lunatic programs that the far left was able to put it right inside your son or daughter school. One of the big things takeaways from his book is don't think that this isn't, isn't happening in your son or daughter's school because it has been allowed to infect this country. But as the riots and the unrest in America's street continue to escalate, Biden is still hiding in his basement. Doesn't want to utter any uh, words that um, the left might use to further um, uh, uh, use to not vote for him. Well, hopefully we'll have a more peaceful night in Kenosha, Wisconsin and out in Portland and Seattle. But in any case, we'll report on it on tomorrow's show right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. If you have thyroid eye disease and you go through artificial tears in the blink of an eye, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit treatmyted.com. That's treatmyted.com.